Welcome to CPAC's Today in Politics podcast. It is Wednesday, May 17th. I'm Michael Serapio. Here are the big political stories we are talking about today. Michael Chong makes an appearance before the Procedures and House Affairs Committee. The last several weeks have been a trying time for me and my family. But it is important to note that my case is but only one of many Canadians who have been threatened on Canadian soil by authoritarian governments and who have suffered in silence. It is my hope that real change will result from what has happened. Reaction to bail reform proposals introduced by the Justice Minister. Crucially, these proposed reforms signal that repeat violent offenders who pose a risk to community safety should not be released while awaiting trial. And Francois-Philippe Champagne says Ontario needs to bring some cash to the table to help keep Stellantis in Windsor. If we want to end that, that drama we've been seeing over the last few days, it's only for our friends in, in Ontario to pay their fair share. It's, it's that simple. Well, we're now joined by Joël Denis Bellevance, the Ottawa Bureau Chief for La Presse. Uh, Joël Denis, good morning. Good morning, Michael. So listen, uh, let's begin with Michael Chong. He, he talked about learning of the PRC campaign against his family, but really he also talked about how the government's handling or, or really mishandling of intelligence is what led to these leaks that we've been seeing in the media. And he says that is essentially diminishing the confidence of Canada's security partners in this country. Can you talk about that? Yeah, well, Mr. Chong, first of all, made a very moving testimony last night. Um, it was, you know, calm, uh, thoughtful testimony that only Michael Chong could give. Uh, and, and I think that was appreciated by all the parties. Now, he talked about a lot of the breakdown of the machinery of government, and that's a key point. Information that should have uh, been uh, given to him was not given to him, and that uh, for two years. And so for him, that's a major failure of communications and ensuring security of parliamentarians, but parliament itself, because Mr. Chung and other MPs are part of parliament and that core of our democracies. And that breakdown led to some leaks, as you mentioned, from the uh, uh, security agencies and CSIS. They felt that the government was not... Um, taking this seriously enough, that's why we, we saw leaks in the Globe and Mail. And that, in the eyes of Mr. Uh, Chung, could uh, uh, make Canada less, you know, a reliable partner in the eyes of Five Eyes, namely, and other uh, allies that we have across the world to get uh, uh, intelligent information. So that was a key um, um, part of the testimony. But also, I think he raised a few uh, ideas as to the kind of reforms that we sh should uh, uh, contemplate, uh, that the government should maybe look at. And also that, and, and one, of, one of those reforms is that the government should make sure that um, MPs are briefed on regularly, uh, regular fashion by uh, security agencies as to the dangers of some agents and to warn them on a regular basis, just to keep them, you know, um, conscious of the dangers that they may be facing. And also those who are facing direct threats should be made aware immediately. And that is something that uh, was critical, uh, you know, in, in his case, he was not informed for two years. So he learned about it by reading Global Mail, which is, you know, astounding, as he mentioned. Yeah, and you know, uh, going forward now, we we have heard from the federal government essentially saying that CSIS, if they hear of a threat against a member of parliament, they they need to to inform the member of parliament. But you know, Chong, as you say, uh, 
also testified that Canada should take this idea of foreign entities trying to influence events and people in this country more seriously, and that we really just cannot rely on the prime minister, cabinet, and the bureaucracy because information is getting uh, what he described as bottlenecked at that level. And, you know, that goes to a little bit of what you were talking about there. But when you talk about regular updates for MPs, he's also talking about essentially changing the, the reporting rather than to the prime minister actually creating a different body that that we currently have than what we currently have yeah he was talking about a parliamentary committee that is uh, was set up by prime minister justin Trudeau after 2019 election or just before the in intercop uh, i think uh, that's what it's called the acronym it's hard to remember there are so many acronyms on the parliament, you know. <laughs> but it's made up of parliamentarians who are swore to secrecy but they report to the prime minister and nobody else. So that, you know, makes the link, you know, weaker in the eyes of Mr. Uh, Chung. What he's also telling is that um, there there was uh, in 2021 when this event occurred, the prime minister's office was kind of a revolving door for the security um, um, advisor to the prime minister. One security advisor left in June. And then there was an interim security advisor that took over in July and August. And a permanent one was named later uh, Judy Thomas. So you see, you had three people in charge of uh, advising the prime minister on national security in the, in the space of uh, um, four or five months. And that was just prior to the federal election. And that may explain part of the breakdown. Too many people were occupying that functions for a while. And so you need to have protocols in place that would, you know, uh, uh, obliged or make sure that if they get information, even if they are uh, uh, temporarily occupying those functions, that the information would get out to the person who is targeted by uh, foreign interference. So that's a key element that Mr. Uh, Chung proposed. And that was an interesting, that there should be protocol for uh, relaying information that deals with foreign interference if an MP is directly targeted by uh, that uh, that threat. That's right. Uh, essentially, shared uh, more widely the information. Exactly. Hmm. And and Mr. Mr. Chung, as usual, does his homework. He mentioned that cases, uh, examples in Great Britain, that this is there's a sort of a protocol that uh, elected uh, officials uh, get regularly brief. And same thing in the United States. So, as usual, as I mentioned, Mr. Chung did his homework and brief <laughs> even the that committee that will report to parliament by the end of this session as to what happened why was there was a breakdown of machinery of government and what should be done to avoid uh, another situation like that yeah and and we do know already that the upcoming federal by-elections in june those are going to be closely monitored by uh, a security and intelligence task force known wow. as site uh, we're also waiting for david johnson of course he's scheduled to deliver his assessment of the whole situation of foreign interference to the prime minister next week so this story being far from over but but really let's switch over right now because i also want to talk about bail reform uh the proposals introduced by the justice minister david lametti not yet passed but if they are the these changes would have apply essentially a, a reverse onus on repeat offenders who are charged with crimes involving weapons and if a crime involves intimate partner violence just a couple of examples there uh, talk to us about what a reverse onus actually is and how it would be applied in terms of bail reform it well in that case and that's an interesting because uh, we've been talking about this in some uh, judicial circles for a while but the government uh, is proposing the justice minister is proposing uh, that 
it would be up to the defense to uh, convince the court that the repeat offender should be released on bail and not the opposite. Uh, right now, it's the crime that has to show that he should not be released. So that's the reverse onus uh, that is put on, on now on the repeated offenders. And, and that's, uh, you know, it's not an easy thing to do because... As we change government, uh, we change uh, we, new government brings new reforms to the justice system. So the courts have to adjust, but the court are bound by the Charter of Rights. They have to uh, maintain uh, the sort of balance between the rights of offenders, the rights of the victims. And so the Supreme Court will probably have to, at one point, uh, um, eva uh, evaluate whether this conforms to the uh, Charter of Rights. But it is a reform that was demanded by, as you, meant, as you know, the provinces, because we saw some cases that, you know, um, made headlines recently. There was a cop that was killed in Ontario by a repeated offender who released, was released on bail. And that, you know, um, drew a lot of attention uh, by the, in Ottawa, in the House of Commons, but also the provinces, and even wrote a letter. The, the premiers wrote a letter to the uh, government in Ottawa asking, demanding that they do something about that because we've seen a, raised, uh, a rise of crimes in recently uh, and, and that uh, the premiers, uh, the provinces are worried about the trend that we are uh, yeah. witnessing right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, uh, as you noted, the, it, it was uh, the, the provinces and territories, really also police chiefs who are raising the issue. And, and, and at this point, we have some initial response, some, uh, you know, tepid, uh, I guess, uh, approval waiting to see yeah. it, it makes its way down the pipes. But, you know, talk to us about the, the opposition reaction here in Ottawa, because it was very interesting when you talk about uh, changes in policies and parties and uh, balancing that up against the Charter of Rights. Uh, we also heard from Pierre Poliet yesterday and he for one says that he would have actually gone tougher on yeah. what was introduced yesterday yeah mr poliev and the conservative party you know being tough on crime is their bread and butter and that you with an election you know maybe on the horizon in the next 12 months a lot of people are preparing for a federal election maybe next spring or spring of 2024 you can expect the uh, conservative leader to uh, uh, you know raise that issue uh, on many on Every occasion. So Mr. Poliev is saying that he will not allow a bail uh, reform that uh, the government is now proposing. He will uh, say that uh, he will uh, change that. And if a, if a dangerous offender commits another crimes, that will be it. He will do the time for the crime that he's done. So um, in, in the past, like as I mentioned, other governments brought forward some justice reform, like a uh, uh, I remember the, during the Harper government years, they brought uh, minimum sentences. Mm -hmm. Those mm -hmm. laws were uh, struck down by the courts. So Mr. Poliev will still have to uh, you know, make sure that any proposal would be uh, um, conform, would conform uh, with the Charter of Rights. And that's essential. And so uh, because uh, uh, spending time in prison is 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 part of the law but uh, uh, having the right to a bail is also part of the charter of rights so it's it's uh, a tight difficult balance for any government and we've seen this in, in this debate but obviously mr poliev wants to toughen this 
And that's going to be part of the next election campaign for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, as we said, just introduced yesterday. So watch this space, I guess, to see what happens next. Uh, before we go here, Jean-Denis, I just want to talk a little bit more about Stellantis because we know uh, now know rather that Ottawa has told the car maker that it will offer a deal essentially in keeping with what Volkswagen got from the federal government. But the industry minister, uh, François-Philippe Champagne, says Ontario needs to also step up with cash as well. And based on earlier comments from the Ontario Premier, Doug Ford, well, he says this really is Ottawa's responsibility. Um, You know, it seems that the Trudeau government is painted into a corner with this one because can it really afford this Stellantis plant to go south of the border? Literally. Uh, Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, And and then the government, the federal government just... I think put the bar at what they offered to Volkswagen, which is 13 billion over 10 years uh, deal. And so other companies will be looking at that deal to get the same treatment. Otherwise they'll raise the possibility of moving to the United States. And that's one uh, of the uh, threat, if I may say that is being raised by Stellantis. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is happening while Mr. Trudeau and Mr. Champagne are abroad trying to drum up, uh, support for investments in Canada from uh, Korean companies, car companies to invest in in Canada. So, it's it's a very high stake, you know, uh, situation for the federal government and the Ontario government because imagine just the bad headlines of losing Stellantis going south because of a, a different of opinion, difference of opinion on, as to the kind of. Uh, subsidies that Ottawa should should uh, uh, give to that company. But the bar has been set with the Volkswagen deal. And so any companies that look at investing in Canada will say, I want the same deal as Volkswagen. So um, that may cost a lot of money to taxpayers in the future to get those kinds of major investments. It was celebrated at the time when it was announced, but now we're, as you mentioned, stuck in the corner and there's a lot of pain around us. Listen, Jean-Denis, thank you for this. Really appreciate the time this morning. Have a great day. We'll talk soon. Same to you, Michael. Thank you so much. In this election, you have a choice and you can choose better. Now let's take a look at what political columnists, commentators and editorialists are saying today. In the Toronto Star, Graham Thompson asks if Rachel Notley can walk a tightrope back into the Alberta Premier's office. He writes, Rachel Notley is a new Democrat trying to woo fence-sitting conservatives. She is trying to assure Albertans that she will champion the energy industry while also leading the fight against climate change, that she will invest heavily in social issues but also balance the provincial budget, that she will stand up to Ottawa while working cooperatively with the federal government. But while Notley might be walking a tightrope, so is Danielle Smith. The difference is that Smith is dangling over a shark tank, trying to reassure moderate conservatives she is not a fringe politician, while assuring her right-wing fringe supporters she hasn't changed. So whose tightrope act is working best? Nobody seems to know. In the Globe and Mail, David Jones argues solving Canada's housing crisis will be unpopular and difficult. He writes, like many public policy issues, our housing crisis is a complex problem. Real solutions are unpopular and band-aid fixes, which ultimately exacerbate the problem, are far more appealing to the electorate. What we need is robust policy analysis. Governments are right to address inequities in housing ownership across generations, but should pursue initiatives that do not further inflate house prices. Young generations need to raise their voices and use their vote. 
And finally, democracy itself may yet offer the solution. Some provincial governments have legislated to override certain local planning and approval rules in support of increasing supply despite risking disapproval from existing homeowners. Provincial and local governments need that kind of bravery to deliver the housing supply that Canada needs. Now here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister, Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolie and the Innovation Minister François-Philippe Champagne will continue their visit to South Korea. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will attend the NDP caucus meeting. He will also speak to reporters before attending question period. In Ottawa, the International Trade Minister Mary Ng will host the Commissioner for Economic Development, Trade, Tourism, Industry and Minerals of the African Union Commission for the African Trade Policy Dialogue. Immigration Minister Sean Fraser will make an announcement to support tourism growth for a local hotspot in Trenton, Nova Scotia. And the Senate Committee on Transport and Communications will hear from the Minister of Transport, Omar Algabra. That is CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, May 17th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC. I'll be there for coverage of all the day's events. Julie Van Dusen can be seen on L'Essentiel this week. And our podcast, well, it will return tomorrow. Until then, I'm Michael Sarabio. Have a great day.